Welcome to The Unsophisticated Palate, a podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Join us each week as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. I'm Vicki. Cheers. Cheers. That's my attempt at a, at a, at a cheers virtual sound. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for me. Yay. <laughs> Well, welcome back, Vicki. Um, it's so nice to have you back. Uh, Vicki from P&V Winery. Thank you. See, a lot has changed since the last time we had a chance to sit down in person and talk. Oh, boy. Uh, what's new out there? What's, what's happening at, uh, at P&V? Well, um, as you know, we've had this wonderful shelter in place. Actually, the last day that we were open was March 15th, and we actually closed the week before it became mandatory. So we've been doing a lot of online sales and we have a real loyal following of wine club members and um, friends and and wonderful neighbors um, that have come by and and done the pickup or I've dropped off and and done free delivery. So we've been really thankful for that, but it's been kind of quiet. We've gotten lots of projects done around the winery because we've got a lot of time on our hands. (laughs) There you go. We're trying to look at the positive of what's been going on, you know? Yeah, you definitely have to. Um, And I think that's all any of us can do. But it's good to know that you, as kind of some others, are still up. You're still going. You're still, I don't know if thriving is the right word, but at least you're you're keeping your head above water. We're surviving. I guess you can kind of say that. Um, Surviving. I like that. Yeah, it's a survival thing right now. I think there's a lot of wineries. We're fortunate that, you know, this is not the only thing that we do do. It's, it's the thing that brings us the greatest pleasure, obviously, and we really enjoy what we do. Uh, but there's a lot of people that, you know, their only source of income is their wineries, and they've been closed for several months now. So it's been um, been hard for the, the group that we're involved with, the wineries of Santa Clara Valley. You know, we do talk every other week. We have a, um, a Zoom wine tasting. <laughs> And we, nice. we call it Wine Wednesdays, you know, where we get a chance to chat online and, and kind of keep in touch, you know, with what's going on. Good. And that's all the more reason, too. And, and I know we've mentioned this on the show before, but, you know, support your local winery there. Uh, give a call. Reach out. Like, as you mentioned, there's uh, doing deliveries. They're, they're doing pickups. There's usually ways you can get <laughs> your wine. And, and right now, of all times, I think it, it's as important, if not more important than ever. I think so. It's a, it's a way to keep connected and, and uh, keep your favorite wineries in business for the days to come, which are not too far off for us to all be open again, um, you know, in a safe and comfortable environment. Yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, I, I've been curious, what are you, do you have plans? What are you, how do you guys kind of plan to reopen? Are there guidelines somewhere? I mean, I guess I'm assuming you guys are all talking amongst each other, but, but what's the kind of current yeah. plan or thinking? Well, you know, we've been um, anticipating this for a while, um, you know, kind of watching what's been happening with other types of businesses that have been allowed to be open and other counties that are kind of in uh, steps ahead of us. We actually went to a friend's winery this past weekend that's in Santa Cruz Mountains. They were able to open and it was fun to go because we wanted to kind of get the wine tasting experience and see how he's doing it. So um, you know, basically they greeted us with their masks and gloves. We showed up with our masks on as well. And 
All the tables were 20 plus feet apart, very safe environment. And in their situation, they were serving food to be able to be open. So they had pizzas and salads available that had to be purchased with a wine purchase. That was their requirement right now. That was how they were able to be open because they had that ability. We were able to sit there and enjoy once you got to your table with, you know, just my husband and I, and, and there were some other families that were together that you were able then to take your mask off and sit there, obviously, enjoy the wine, hard to drink with the mask on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I can imagine. Um, but, but if you're walking around, you know, you, the politeness was to put your mask back on, but you were being served at a table. So that's, that's really what we're planning. It'll be basically suggesting a reservations online. But that won't mean that people that show up without a reservation, you know, if we have room to seat people, we'll obviously have room for those people to enjoy the wine as well. We're all outdoor. So we are picnic tables and tables and chairs, you know, in a really beautiful wine garden. And we have over a half an acre or more of space under some beautiful walnut trees to enjoy wine tasting, you know, really comfortably. A lot of our friends that have come by to pick up wine said, you know, this is the wine we were going to feel comfortable coming to because you are so open. It's all outdoors. It's very comfortable feeling, you know, and uh, that's kind of how we felt when we went to that winery. It was all outdoors. And, you know, the inside is a little different kind of feeling right now. I think most people are choosing to go to restaurants that have the outdoor seating and wineries that will have the outdoor abilities as well because that's just everyone's comfort level right now, you know. Yeah. Well, and you guys are fortunate enough. I've been out there when we recorded last time to have a, a beautiful vineyard and, and great open space and, and everything that direction. So it, I think you're right. It'll be a little bit easier for you as opposed to some people who have a, a little bit more of that smaller indoor room. But I think everybody's going to find a way. I think they're all going to try to modify as best they can. And and I think, you know, right now the governor is giving consent, but it's consent with your county agreeing to it. So we're waiting for our county order from the Santa Clara County to, you know, give us those guidelines that he's kind of put out there. And then we'll be eligible to go ahead and open. And we're all, you know, got our hand sanitizer ready and our masks, gloves. And I think for many people, it's going to be, instead of doing a tasting per se, it'll be like this winery we went to, they offered a glass of wine. So instead of a a tasting of multiple wines, you got a choice of a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. And then it just limited the amount of exposure of people going back and forth. People didn't go up to a bar. They were served. So it was really nice. The service was great. And uh, I think that's what we're looking for. We're looking for, you know, just a, a nice environment, a pleasant feeling of here's my table, let me sit down. Um, you know, as someone leaves, tables will be sanitized, bathrooms sanitized hourly. So it'll be really uh, pristine. Nice. Very nice. Well, today we're here to talk about rosé, uh, rosé wine specifically. <laughs> rosé all day. <laughs> yes, rosé all day, right? And if you, as yep. a good friend of mine once said, if you don't start drinking in the morning, how can you drink all day, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, rosé all day. I'm wearing, uh, as was agreed upon with uh, with Jen, my occasional co-host here. I'm wearing my brosé shirt, uh, which oh, we have my husband too. Yes. 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 Real I'm men not- drink pink, right? 
Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So you guys have a, a, a rosé of your own. And if uh, so, just to kind of introduce and, and give you guys a little bit of uh, credibility here, I understand you guys have won an award or two with it. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, about your rosé specifically to start. Yeah, well, our rosé is uniquely made from our Zinfandel. And we have old vines in here. We have nine rows. So we're predominantly Zin here uh, as far as our estate wine. We started making this back in 2018, was our first year of making rosé. And my husband thought, well, gosh, uh, let's enter this. It kind of sold off the shelves real swiftly. And, and uh, so we entered it in the Chronicles wine tasting competition. And first wine, only wine entered for us. And we received the bronze. So we were really excited. We'd only been open as a winery less than six months. Um, when wow. we um, were entered this. And so for us, it was really, it was a nice indication of we're doing things right. There's always room for improvement, but it was just nice to know that all the people that had come by and bought the wine and thought it was really lovely, that there was that sophistication, you know, enough for the Chronicle to, to have a similar opinion. So it was great. Yeah, that is, that's super awesome. From your aspect, from when I, if I went into your, your winery there and I just said, Vicki, what is rosé or what is a rosé? What would you mm -hmm. answer? Well, you know what? Everyone makes a rosé from different types of grapes. You know, we uniquely do it from our Zen, but, you know, it could be a Grenache, could be other types of red wine grapes that they typically make it from. So what happens with a rosé is basically you're making um, the wine from juice. Basically, you are, you know, picking the same grapes you would pick for your Zinfandel. And then as you go through the process, you're basically, it sit on the skins for hours versus, you know, fermenting for days for red wine. It's determined by the winemaker how many hours to determine the color. So the longer it stands, the deeper the color can be. You then, you know, take that juice, the juice goes into stainless and you ferment it into stainless. This wine does not ever see a barrel, so it's um, fermented in the stainless. You're drinking it as a cool wine versus a red wine. It, it tends to be just an amazing summer wine, and it's kind of, it's not a super sweet wine. It's, it's more on the dry side for us, so it just tends to hit everyone's sweet spot for what they enjoy as far as versus a Chardonnay or something else that we have as a, you know, Sauvignon Blanc. It gives them a different choice of something to have, you know, predominantly in the summer. And it's a beautiful color too. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think uh, hit on a couple of things you're talking about there. I think the first thing right towards the end there is that it, it is a very versatile mid wine, almost if you will, it kind of mm -hmm. dances the line between a white and a red. So you can get yep. some of the correct me if I'm wrong here, but leaving the skins in there a little bit, you get a little bit more tannins. So again, you can get a little bit more of that, that red feel but it's not fully there. So you also get a little bit more of that white fruitiness and, and tartness. And so yeah. it, it kind of like, uh, it, it, I mean, I know for myself when I can't decide what to pair or if somebody says, Hey, what should I pair with this? And, and there's not something obvious. A lot of times I'll just kind of go, Hey, go with the rosé because right. It, it's right in the middle and it, it kind of goes with so many yeah. different things. Yeah. And I think just, 
just drinking it, you know, a glass of it without it being paired with anything is, is, is wonderful too for the summer. I, we had, you know, such a um, demand that that first summer, you know, we were open, we ran out. We doubled our, our quantity for the, for this 2019 that we're serving now, just because we didn't want to have that happen again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so to talk a little bit about the, the, the processor too, most, if not all, I think, wine grapes, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, but when you, if you were to take the grape and just squeeze the juice out of it, that juice is clear, right? Right. It's not dark colored. And so one of the key, you can have the same grape. Now, again, the flavor profiles are very different and it's not always a good idea, but you could take the same grape and make a white wine and a red wine out of it. And the difference is, <laughs> how long you leave the skins in in the wine, right? So if you let those darker skins right. sit there, that clear juice is going to take on some of the color. Uh, and then if you right. don't let it, then you got that clear white wine, right? Right. Well, you, and what happens too is, is you know, you press the juice immediately versus with red wine, you're, you're fermenting it for a week on the skins with the seeds. So that's why you have that deeper color and, and flavor. It's basically taking a red wine grape and making it like a white wine is what you're doing. So it's yeah. the, the method of how you create the wine. Yeah. And, and, and then you kind of mentioned, I mean, you, you, do, you leave those skins and seeds. And like you said, for, for a red, it could be weeks or a week or, or mm -hmm. several days. But for a rosé, it can be anything from a few hours to a, a day or two. And mm -hmm. it's kind of because it's in that middle, that's why you're kind of getting that, which in many cases, as you alluded to, too, that that beautiful, generally thought yeah. of as a pink color, but I mean, it can be anything from a yeah. light orange to a, a darker pinkish reddish. You can really manipulate it. It's, it's kind of, it's a way that you can kind of make it unique. Ours, I think both years we compared the two bottles, they're very similar in color. So I think he did a, approximately the same amount of hours that he had. Uh, leaving it on the skins, but it's it's interesting to watch the process of what he does, and then you know it goes into stainless, and it's four or five months in stainless, and then you know we filter, and then it goes back in, uh, you know, for a few more months, and then you're bottling. So now, the whole real, real process. Quick, of, if you or, don't mind, you know, the I just want to ask. Oh, yeah. So you guys put it into stainless, and this is. I, I, I'm not aware of this. Is some rosé barreled or is it just, is it pretty standard, industry standard to put it in stainless? You know, I, I think it's pretty standard to do um, the, the stainless because of the, of the ones that I've tried of different wineries, I don't recall having an oak flavor to yeah. any of the, of the rosé. I don't think they usually want to take that on because I think it would kind of compete with what you're trying to have as the flavors in, in the wine. But I've, I've not been everywhere to try everyone's rosé, but just predominantly I've seen stainless. Yeah. And now that I think about it and you say that, you're right. I mean, almost everyone that I've tasted, I, I don't think I've ever mm -hmm. tasted any that has kind of some of those oak flavors or the flavors that oak kind of, mm -hmm. kind of introduce. So uh, again, not, not to say right. that nobody does it, but I think it definitely is a rarity and I hadn't thought about that. So um, yeah, also. well, the mentors that we've been, how, how do I say consulting with that are that do make a lot of rosé they've all been stainless they've not been um in a in a barrel at all yeah and that makes sense that totally makes sense yeah 
And so to throw in a, a fun fact here, uh, rosé is supposedly the OG, if you will, of, of wine. It is kind of the original. It is what people typically made in the beginning. Uh, they did not have some of the sophistication mm -hmm. or, or I don't know if it was patience to leave the skins in there, but they also didn't kind of do that pure squeeze. According to history and, and everything you look at, rosé was really probably the first wine and the oldest wine. And if you think about what wine was 7,000 years or whatever it was ago, it was probably a rosé yeah. that they were drinking. Interesting. I didn't know that, Mark. I learned something new. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I got to do my, my research and throw out some fun facts to make uh, at least make it look like I know what I'm talking about every now and then, right? <laughs> Well, I saw something on, I think it was on Facebook, and they were saying that I think June 13th is supposed to be Rosé Day. I'm not sure if that's everywhere or just someone on uh, Instagram or Facebook that said that. But I, don't I know saw that as well. Day. Yeah, and, and, and actually yeah. it was a little bit like sad because this is going to get released on the 18th. And uh, if, if we, you know, we had a couple of scheduling issues, if, if we hadn't had to bump this and that was my fault, then we would actually been able to release it this week, which would have been Rosé Day. Uh, so we'll just have to wait a whole nother year, uh, listen to this episode again, and then and drink uh, Rosé. And in the meantime, keep drinking Rosé, right? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All day. <laughs> so, so now I, this is something that I, I kind of got to correct myself on a little bit here. And, and it's, because I had seen this somewhere and I thought it was more common and it's not that it is not that it doesn't happen, but mm -hmm. typically a rosé, it can be a blend where you put a little bit of red in with a white and there are some places that do that. Apparently there's uh, a few places in France and, and a couple other places, but it's mm -hmm. very rare and very frowned upon. And I think I alluded to the fact that that was a lot of the rosé on the market at one point in time. And uh, so first of all, correct myself. And thank you, Dan, who mm -hmm. uh, had messaged us and, and let us know about that. But also, I kind of want to put that out there. So anybody else who does think that a, a rosé is a blend, again, doesn't mean it's not. But a good mm -hmm. rosé, I think, is, is definitely not a blend. Right, right. And I think you usually find that it's one type of grape that I've seen, you know, whether it be Grenache or, or any other type. But it's, it's interesting to try different rosés. I could see myself sitting, having a taste of four or five different ways, you know. I think it would be fun. Yeah, and, and that's something else I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about it a little bit today because rosé is another thing where if you say, if you say rosé, it's not the thing of saying a, a Cabernet or a, a Pinot or something mm -hmm. like that, right? Or a Grenache, as you're, you're mentioning there. What you're saying is it is a pinkish colored wine that went through this specific type of fermentation process and right. but because of all the different types of grapes that you could use to do it there's a huge flavor profile I mean Saint Rosé is like saying mm -hmm. ale beer or a lager beer or a stout beer or something yeah. I mean there's you know so many different types mm -hmm. if you haven't had one that you like that it's like a lot of other things I've noticed that the answer is keep trying right Right. I'm sure that you'll find the one you, that hits your spot, your sweet spot, you know? Yeah. And so now you guys, your guys is a Zen. So, uh, and again, that's kind of mm -hmm. what we're talking about. So you have several different grapes you can start from. So you're starting from a Zen, which I know you guys have some, I think, old vines in on the, on the property there that you're, is that what you're working? From? Yes. 
Yeah, it's our estate zen. And like I said, we have like, I think, nine rows of zen. So we're predominantly zen here. It made sense for us. And then when we made it and tasted it, it was like, wow, we just loved the way it came out. So um, that's probably what we're always going to do. I don't know we'll have a second rosé. I I think one is enough for us. Mm-hmm. Well, especially <laughs> if you get it enough. right the first time, apparently here, then, then, you know, just keep doing more of that, right? Exactly. And then ours, uh, this 2019, it's, um, it's alcohol content is 13.7%. You know, the alcohol content is pretty good as well. Yeah. So now, now a question on that, because, you know, I, I personally kind of prefer in my rosé is a little bit more, I don't know if it's a tannin flavor or whatever. So it has a little bit more of a, <laughs> that red profile, or at least dances mm-hmm. on that red line versus some of them that, that definitely lean much closer to white. Like the one I'm drinking today while we're, while we're recording this is definitely much closer to, I think, a, a, a Chardonnay or some type of a white wine. Mm. And that one yeah. is, is that the grape that you're working from? Is that how long it sits on the skin? Do you have any kind of insight into what makes it more fruity versus more? The way we describe the one that we have, ours is, it's, you know, hints of cherry and strawberry. I, I don't know if it's the age of the, of the, the vine as well, because our, our vines, you know, the estate cab and the Zen, they're really fruit forward. You know, you really, the smell and everything is, is you know, you really can't, you know, it's, it's fun to be able to go when we have fruit on the vine to grab the grapes and then drink the wine because it just, it's so similar. But I, um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Okay. Well, and, and I think one thing you did mention there, though, you said some of the similarities is it, it's something else I, I did read here or find in my research here is that, that the rosé wine is likely to taste a lot like your red wine counterparts, so, uh, but just much mm-hmm. more subtle in the flavor. So in your case, you've got that Zen. So your rosé would be have a similar taste profile, but uh, again, clearly much more subtle and I think a little bit more fruity. Is that, would that be accurate? Yeah, well, it's, it's a, it tends to be a, a dry finish, so it's not like going from a, a, a how do we say a dessert wine to a regular wine. But when we do our our tastings, we usually go directly from the rosé to the zin, just so they can compare the same grape prepared two different ways. That's a lot of fun. I hadn't even thought about that. That would be great yeah. uh, when we can finally do tastings again and not not by the glass or whatever it is. Uh, that would be a, a great way to taste it. First of all, I'll have to, uh, when you release your rosé, get a bottle of each and just experiment myself. Uh, but I may do that at other places, too, if they have a rosé. And I know it's being made from the same of their other wines, because I think that would be a lot of fun to kind of taste the difference between the two and just, you know, what the difference, basically, of just leaving the, the skins and the, and the seeds in there, uh, you know, and maybe some oak and just basically some of the different things in that process, because it's the same grape. But, mm-hmm. but like you said, two very different uh, results. Yeah, it's, it's really an interesting comparison when you go from one to the next. Now, do you know much or, I, I mean, I looked up some stuff, but the difference between a, a rosé and a blush? Hmm, you know, I've, I've not really had a blush lately to yeah. know, to recall differences. So I'm not, um, I'm not as familiar to know what the difference is. I don't know if they're referring to a color of the wine or if there's a special different type of method to get a blush 
I'm not really sure. Yeah, well, and I, I did some quick kind of, because I was curious, you know, because, um, you know, a blush wine looks similar. So I'm like, is, are they really the same thing? And, and again, throw right. out some fun facts along the way here. But uh, in 1978, it was trademarked, blush, the word was trademarked by Crack, K-R-E-C-K. Um, and they uh -huh. used it mostly as a, a marketing kind of a name for their, I guess, what would have been rosés anyplace else was generally a little bit sweeter than a rosé, but otherwise <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of difference. For a long time, actually, it, it seemed to be primarily a, a North American thing to have blush be the name. Uh, and oh, while, yeah, while Europe kind of kept everything as a rosé, whether it was sweet or not, mm -hmm. whereas again, kind of in mm -hmm. North America, sweet would be a blush, not so sweet would be a rosé. But in what was it like, I don't know, to good old 2015 or so when rosés became <laughs> the thing and everybody was drinking them, right? And rosé all day came, then, then actually there was a huge drop. And matter of fact, very few wines in the U.S. market these days are labeled as blush. They're almost all rosés now. I think it just rolls off the tongue better too. <laughs> yeah, it does. No. Well, and blush I think blush. has not a negative connotation to it, but if you're blushing, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of tied to an emotion, which can be, I don't know, embarrassment yeah. or, or flattery. I know whatever, as opposed to just rosé, which is just, that sounds a little fancier maybe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. You guys had the 2017, which sold out. So you're not likely to have any oh, sitting on the shelf there aging or well, I'm sorry, was it 18? It was 2018. That was our first year of making it. Um, so we are out of that, but we do have the 2019. And okay. I've been told it's very similar to the 2018. Awesome. So now what I did read though, and, and so for everybody who's, who acquires some of this or any kind of rosé, you know, it's mm -hmm. not a, a wine that's meant to be aged. So really it's something that you're, the idea is you grab that, and you drink it usually mm -hmm. within two to three years, right? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's, it's something that you, I don't know, it's easy, easy to drink. Is that the right phrase to say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is really. <laughs> leave it stored for too long because it's, it's something that's, especially summertime. I find that, um, you know, most people, that's what they're, they're kind of gearing towards is, they want to take something home, maybe a red wine to take home, but they want to sit there and drink the, the chilled wine in the summer. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I mean, it's definitely a summer I, for me, I associate with summer and warmer weather just because it's generally chilled when you drink it. It's something that you, you generally serve cold and that's I, not ideal in the middle of winter. Uh, but that said, again, I have had some in the winter and it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just, again, it's got kind of more of that, white wine, I don't know, lightness and, and again, mm -hmm. refrigeration, right? So you tend to associate it more with well, summer. Yeah. A glass of rosé out by the pool. Yes. I had yeah. so, uh, someone tell me dropping off a bottle for her mother-in-law. She said her mother needed some pool wine is what she was calling it, rosé. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. It is. It's, it's totally a pool wine. <laughs> I'm going to put a sticker on it when I leave it and say, pool wine for grandma. <laughs> there you go. I like that. I like that. 
And, and also too, as we talked about, there's a bajillion different kinds of rosés, including you can have, and I've had them and I actually really enjoy them. Some of your bubbly or sparkling wines can even be kind of a rosé. Oh. So I think in that case, you get the pink and you get the bubbles. So, I mean, how can you mm-hmm. go wrong? Really, really. It's, it's fun. I, we've gone over in Santa Cruz. There's a place and I, I'm blanking out on the name of it, but they specialize in sparkling wine. And so we went over there and did a tasting one time. It was very fun. So now the last thing I kind of, I, I had to kind of cover is that generally, and I don't know if this is the true for you guys as well, but generally rosé, it's not an expensive wine. It's not a wine you go out and, you know, spend a, t- if you spend a lot of money on it, you're not necessarily going to get that much better of a wine because it does tend to be a little bit lower priced wine, but that shouldn't scare anybody mm-hmm. off. Well, you know, on our menu, it's actually the least expensive of our wines. But as my husband said, it's a little bit more involved in, in the work to make it. So, really? Um, yeah. <laughs> because you're, you're filtering and you're, there's different steps and stages. But, you know, it's, it's a beautiful, you know, it's, a, it's fun. No, we re- really enjoy the process of what we're doing. But, you know, there's more, you know, you're filtering and back and forth. In, in and out of uh, stainless as well. Yeah, okay. So, but again, so the idea is like with some other wines, you know, uh, there is a difference in price. And let's say there isn't a difference in price, but but mm-hmm. I think you can get away with it. And in a, you can get a, I mean, I've had some great bottles of rosé for uh, $9 to $20 so, or 10 to $20. I don't know why I mm-hmm. said nine, <laughs> but for 10 to $20. All right, well, anything else you want to kind of have to say or share about, Rosé, any reasons people should be drinking it, trying it, what they should expect when they do? Um, I just think that it's it's a real charming wine. It's not just a girl's wine. Definitely um, a lot of men over the past summer really enjoyed the rosé as well. We have a couple wine club members that that's their husband's favorite wine, is, so it's interesting. I just think for myself, uh, when I order a glass, that's what I've been drinking lately too. Just I just enjoy it. I think um, right now there's a lot of great local wineries that are excited to share their rosés and all of our other wonderful wines that we have um, available for purchase. Definitely. So hoping that you know have our doors open soon that people can come by and try it for themselves as well. Yeah, and and here at the Unsophisticated Palate, we always say drink what you like. Anybody who's been listening for a while knows I love my frou-frou, sugary, sweet, yummy drinks. But that said, oh, I, yeah. you know, don't let the pink color scare you off uh, if, you're, if you're too manly to, uh, you know, drink anything else. Because again, a lot of these have a very red wine kind of a, of a leaning almost to them. And so mm-hmm. they're actually going to be, if, if you come at it from that aspect and you consider red wine to be more manly, which I don't know why anybody would, but there's a few people out there who have that hang up. You're going to be closer to a red drinking a, a rosé than you are to a white. So definitely give them a try and enjoy it and, and be proud and, and join the brosé club. Like I said, I got my brosé shirt yeah. on and, and so life is good. Yeah, I think it's, it's a great thing to enjoy for the summer for sure. Outstanding. Where can, if somebody wants to get some of that wonderful, delicious rosé, uh, how can they get more yeah. information about PNV or, or where can they find you? Well, you know what? We have a website. It's pnvwinery.com. 
and we have a shop on there. People can go in, uh, pick out what they'd like. We do pickup, we do delivery local, and then if there's a need and someone's a little further away, we can always ship as well. And we do appreciate, you know, when someone comes in and purchases, it's, it's very exciting, it's a very nice compliment. We look forward to having people stop by as well. That's, I miss people. I'm just funny. I tell my husband, I said, we need other people to be talking to. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> conversation. We, we had so many wonderful people coming by. So looking forward to that very soon. Uh, in the meantime, if you guys want to know more about The Unsophisticated Palette, you can go to theunsophisticatedpalette.com. Please uh, rate us, uh, tell a friend. That's really what kind of keeps the word going out there. That's what keeps us up and going. And it's good for everybody to know a little bit more about what's in their glass. And until next time, drink responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.